You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every day of the week. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show on YouTube. Almost 775 subscribers. Let's get to 800 by Monday. Then next week, our new goal will be 900, 1,000 by the draft. That's our goal here on Locked On Panthers. Thank you to so many people out there who have supported the show by watching on YouTube. And if you don't watch on YouTube, well, shame on you, but that's okay. You can check out the show on Apple Podcasts, where I ask you to rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars only. Don't be a hater. You can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the other fantastic podcasts podcasting platforms out there and be sure to follow me on twitter at julian council where every single friday like today i answer your weekly friday mailbag questions so send those questions into me by either adding me or dm me at julian council you can also leave a comment on a monday tuesday wednesday or thursday show from that week on youtube and i'll get to your questions which i'm gonna go ahead and do right now on this edition of the weekly friday mailbag on locked on panthers and let's start off with luke who says, hey, Julian, hello, Luke. Question for the weekly Friday mailbag. I know you're a college guy, so wanted your opinion on Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. He had a good year in 2021 with 50 total touchdowns and over 4,000 passing yards. Another good head and his st- another good year, I think that's what he meant to say. And his stock could raise. He's a Charlotte native. Um, if we don't draft a quarterback this year and aren't in a position to take a big hitter like Stroud or Young, is Hartman a late first, maybe early second round guy we look at? I have no idea what Sam Hartman's draft stock's going to be this time next year. He is a smaller guy. I don't know if he has the biggest arm. I would be surprised if he's considered a first or even a second round draft pick. I don't even, because here's the thing. Hartman's been in college since 2018, I think. he's He's been there for a while. He's. I think he still has another year. He could play six or seven years at Wake Forest because of redshirting and then the pandemic adding another year to all the college players that were affected by it. I don't know if he actually is an NFL quarterback. If he were, I would have thought after last season, that would have been the perfect time for him to come out. Now, if he has another big year and he works on some things, he might be someone that the Panthers might look at. I just would think after the amount of time he spent at Wake Forest that this would be the time for him to step up and play. He started for three seasons and he started the last two and put up big numbers. I'm not quite sure whether he actually is an NFL guy, but I love watching him play at Wake and Wake's going to have another fantastic season Cut up here this fall. Um, Brody, he's asking me uh, quite simply, how would you handle the Shy Smith situation if you were in charge? Um, if you guys remember Shy Smith last week, um, let me find the notes here because I don't want to get this uh, wrong of what he is accused of when he got arrested for. Shy Smith. Oh, arrest. Sorry, guys. Um, Shy Smith, he was arrested on gun and drug charges last Friday, a possession of an unlawful handgun. And possession and a narcotic with intent to distribute, which is pretty serious down in Union County in South Carolina, which is his hometown county. For me, I mean, he's not going to be a part of anything going on post draft OTAs or mandatory minicamp until all this is legally settled. Unfortunately, if you know, if this is going to be serious, it is serious charges, it might not be a Carolina Panther. So for me, I'm just going to let the legal part play out and keep him away from team activities until we get some sort of 
conclusion on where this is going to head. All right, Jim. Hey, Julian. Hey, Jim. Love the show, and thanks for what you do, keeping us in the know. You're welcome. Um, thanks for listening. When I look at last year, in addition to the terrible O-line, McCaffrey's health, and generally unreliable receivers, of course, outside of DJ Moore, that's me adding that, I also think play calling made Darnold's life difficult. It seemed to me that they refused a lot. They reused a lot of Teddy's West Coast timing-based plays that didn't work with Darnold's gunslinger skill set. My question for you is, what type of offense do you expect to see under McAdoo, and how do you think it would fit Darnold's skills and play style? I'm with you that running it back behind a souped-up offensive line may be our best option at this point. Sorry for the long question. No big deal, Jim. Um, Yeah, so... Look, the, the offense that they brought here was the same offense that they run down in New Orleans. That's why they brought Joe Brady. That's why they brought in Teddy Bridgewater. He fit the offense. Now, bringing in Sam Darnold, the thought was, you bring up his gunslinger skill set, the thought that he was going to be able to stretch the field. One of the things that the coaching staff and, of course, the fan base complained a lot about with Teddy Bridgewater, that he didn't have a big enough arm and there wasn't a downfield passing threat. We saw that one time with Sam Darnold. The problem with Darnold, being a gunslinger, if that's how you want to characterize him. That's not how I would. That leads to a lot of bad decisions and bad throws that you think your arm is big enough to where, hey, I can fit it in this tiny space. I can try and do this. But a lot of times, that does not work out. When I think of gunslingers, I think of guys like Jay, Jay Cutler. A, wor- a world of talent, big arm, made a lot of dumb mistakes throughout his career, a hell of a lot better than Sam Darnold. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the nuances of Ben McAdoo's offense. If anything, you're hoping that McAdoo coming here, having worked with Eli Manning before in New York and turn around that offense, be, that led him to get the job going from OC to head coach after Tom Coughlin left. You would hope that he can help Sam Darnold learn how to play within himself, better for footwork, and that he can actually be better and reach the potential that he had coming out of USC. I just don't have a ton of confidence that that's the case because I don't think I have a ton of confidence in Sam Darnold's abilities at this point in time after four years of tape saying that he's the worst quarterback in the NFL over the last four seasons. So I'll find someone who can come on here and talk more nuance about McAdoo's offense. I'm just not one of those X and O's guys who's going to be able to tell you, yeah, like what exactly he does schematically. All I know is like Sam Darnold, doesn't matter whether it's been the offense he played when Todd Bowles was the head coach up in New York or with Adam Gase or last year, Joe Brady. He has not been good in the National Football League and at this point, there might not be someone out there who can really help him until he's able to just get between his own ears and figure out what he's doing wrong. All right, going to Kobe. Friday mailbag, non-Panthers question. What's your prediction for Saturday night, by the way, UNC fan here? Hashtag keep pounding. If you guys can see I was wearing my Carolina shirt today, I don't have a prediction. I think the game will be close, and it'll come down to who can execute and stay focused in the final five minutes. I know it's not probably the answer you're looking for, but at this point in time, let's just get it over with and see what happens. And one of those teams will go to play for the national championship game on Monday night. Who they'll face, I think, will be Kansas. So there's a prediction for you. But I'm not going to pick who's going to win that game on Saturday. I'm just excited just to get it over with at this point. Um, James, what do you think the chances are that we bring in another tight end? We really haven't had one since Olsen left. Well, they haven't had one that's been productive in the past catching game. So that's what I think you're really trying to bring up here. Well, as you know, they re-signed Ian Thomas. They have Tommy Trimble, who they drafted last year. I want to say that Colin Thompson is still on the roster. Let me look at what I have as my depth chart just in my notes here. I think I only have Ian Thomas and Tommy Trimble. I'm sure Steven Sullivan will get another look here in Carolina. I don't. If you're looking for them to bring in another free agent tight end who might be an impact player, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to look at Colin Thompson. If he's still available, that's someone who's a free agent. Let me – uh double check here as uh, I mean he of course as we know he's a Matt Rule guy he is yeah so he's 
He's still on the Panthers roster. So you have three guys right there. And then I think Steven Sullivan, maybe they want to bring another camp body in. You still have Giovanni Ritchie, who played fullback for the Panthers last year, will still be a fullback this upcoming season. He might get another look at tight end if they want to get a more traditional fullback, someone who's played that position for a longer period of time than just Ritchie's one season last year. At this point, though, I think they're kind of set on who they want as tight end, and they're hoping to maximize Ian Thomas's skill set, and that will round him out to where we were hoping he would be the last couple of seasons. And I know a part of Ben McAdoo's offense is utilization of the tight end. So both him and Tommy Trimble, hopefully more, those two guys can be a bigger part of this passing game in 2022. But we'll see. It always depends on how the offensive line performs and also depends largely on the quarterback. All right, take a quick pause here on Locked on Panthers, and I'll answer more of your questions here in just a moment. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four this weekend down in New Orleans and will determine this year's national champion on Monday night. And as we all know here in North Carolina, Carolina and Duke playing for the first time ever in the NCAA tournament. They met one time back in the NIT back in 1971, back when the NIT apparently was the more prestigious tournament because only automatic champions from the league conferences got to go to the NCAA tournament. Carolina won that meeting. Will it be the same Hubert Davis back when he was in college in 91? Last time Duke and Carolina were both in the final four at the same time. He is the one common denominator along with Coach K potentially coaching his final game on Saturday. And if it's not then, it will be Monday night where he hopes to cut down the nets. I saw last time I checked, it was a four-point favorite for Duke on Saturday night, which checks out in my book. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, back here on Locked on Panthers. Let's answer more of your questions here on this edition of the weekly Friday mailbag. Again, tweet at me at Julian Council or DM me or leave a comment on any of the shows from that week over on YouTube to participate on next week's show. Let's go to Greg next. Got a question for you, Julian. Great. In the situation that we do draft a quarterback, would you rather assign J.C. Treader, put him at center, and move Bozeman to left guard or Christensen at left tackle, or would you rather assign Dwayne Brown or Eric Fisher at left tackle and put Christensen at left guard and Bozeman at center? Okay, so I see what you're bringing up there. If they bring in a quarterback, to me, it's as I said to you yesterday on the show, when reading the Charlotte Observer, Ellis Williams is on the show a couple times, covers the Carolina Panthers, does a fantastic job with his colleague, Jonathan Jones, and the entire Observer staff there. He reported, and at least wrote in their mock draft, that the Carolina Panthers are hoping that sitting there at six will either be Iki Aquanu, who's a Charlotte native, went to NC State, played left tackle, fantastic player, could go number one overall. Looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars want to go with Aiden Hutchinson, the pass rusher out of Michigan. They also are hoping that Evan Neal out of Alabama, who also could go number one overall, but again, Jacksonville looking at Aiden Christensen or Hutchinson out of Michigan. Or they want Malik Willis to be there. Those three guys. So either Quanu, Neal, or Willis is hopefully going to be the pick for the Carolina Panthers there at six. Scott Federer said multiple times he's not going to pass by a top player who can help who can start for them in the next eight years. And I think all three of those guys, at least the two tackles, 
feel like that they could be that situation. The quarterback, way more of a crapshoot, have no idea how Malik Willis is actually going to develop and play once he gets to the National Football League. And same thing with Evan Neal and Aquanu. although I'm willing to bet on those guys more than I am willing to bet on Malik Willis coming out of Liberty and just being a quarterback and just how difficult it is to reach the levels that people want them to reach. Because it's not just like, hey, you come in and you're competent, because competency is not enough in the NFL nowadays. You have to be able to go out there and be able to beat a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or any of those top Russell Wilson, any of those top quarterbacks in the NFL. Now the NFC, you don't have as many of those young talents right now, but I'm sure that's going to change with the next couple of seasons. As far as your question, I think the Panthers are done with the offensive line. Scott Fitter has already said that he feels comfortable with what they have right now. If they're going to roll out at left tackle Brady Christensen and say, at guard, they have Bozeman at left guard and at center. If it's going to be Pat Elfline and right guard, Austin Corbett, right tackle, Taylor Moten, they're fine with that. That means that you have Cam Irving who can play tackle or guard who's going to be back there as depth. They're going to have to, um, Dante Brown, Deontay Brown, who I know a lot of you probably want to see starting, who has an opportunity to continue to develop. Again, he was a six-rounder, so it's not like he needs to go out there and play right away. Yeah, I know it's year two, but still. So they would feel a lot better about that depth. And that's Dennis Daly included and whoever else they bring in, and maybe they even draft someone later on in the draft. If they're bringing a quarterback, I don't think they're going to sign another offensive lineman. And also, that's still four weeks away. You would think that they maybe would make those moves before, or otherwise, they, I guess they don't want to kind of tip their hand. I just don't think that's something that they're going to uh, do, in my opinion. All right, moving on to Brad. Hey, Julian. Hey, Brad. I'll do my best to stick to the mantra of brevity is key, which it is. I heard something about there being zero market for Baker and a real possibility Browns. The Browns would have to eat 18 million of his salary and receiving team would pay him league minimum. As crazy as that sounds, do you think the Panthers should pursue something like this for one year? As I said to y'all, I think it was yesterday or might have been on Wednesday's show. The Panthers can wait to see what happens with Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. Say they go through the draft process and they end up not getting a quarterback. Say they take one of those tackles, Aquanu or Neal, at six and I don't, they don't currently, they don't, if they get someone at six, I don't know if they're going to be able to trade back into day two and find a way to draft a quarterback like a Sam Howard and Desmond Ritter. I think Ritter might even go in the first round, one of those guys in the second or third round. So I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. If that's the case, the quarterback room is still going to be Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. They consistently have said that they want to bring in competition. Scott Fuhrer has also said that we're not going to force the quarterback spot. It kind of feels like you're going to be forcing it if you bring in any competition at this point in time. Like, you need to bring someone in because it can't just be Darnold basically being handed the job. You need to have someone who's going to push him. At that point in time, like, I'd rather have, like, a maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick, as old as he is, who just comes in and can push at least. I don't know how where he is health-wise after last year and not playing at all. I played, what, first 10 snaps of the season for the Washington, then football team, and that never worked out. Maybe he's someone to bring in. Um, as far as with Baker, the Browns, like if they trade him, they're going to have to eat that salary. I just don't want the Panthers to give up any draft picks. Mike Florio, as I mentioned to you earlier this week on the Rich Eisen show on Monday, had said that he thinks the Browns are going to have to cut Mayfield. They can't really do that. They're going to have to find a buyout because they cut him. They're going to eat the $18.858 million salary. Now, if they can find a way to buy him out, then they won't have to worry about that major dead cap hit. And if he's available to be signed up the street, then I could see there being interest. But right now he's not interested in coming here. The Carolina Panthers aren't interested in him at least at that price. And there's a lot of teams out there that feel the same way about make Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo at the current price that both those teams are looking for. And the salary really is what it is. It's a salary, 825 million for Jimmy G 18 million for Baker teams. Just don't want to pay that for those guys uh, going into this upcoming season. 
All right, moving on to Alex. Uh, it's nearly impossible to project the late round picks, but would the one-year deal for Bozeman coinciding with the potential out and Elfine's deal up to 2022 lead you to believe the Panthers will target a center at some point in the draft? Um, I don't know. It's one of the things if like if Bozeman plays well here in Carolina, and he seems him and his wife seem to be fired up to be here, which I love to see. If he plays, if he ends up starting at guard this season and Elfline starts at center and say Elfline's just, you know, just okay. And they don't want to re-sign him. Like, they look at Bozeman. Because the same thing last year. They looked at Paradis as, hey, this is his final year here. Let's bring in Pat Elfline. We'll have him at guard this season. Then next year, he'll get an opportunity to be the center. If he underachieves at center, which I imagine he probably will, just based off of how his career has gone so far and how he got replaced by Garrett Bradbury, the NC State product and the Charlotte Latin grad here from Charlotte up in Minnesota with the Vikings, I would imagine the same thing might happen here where they don't necessarily draft center later on. It's you slide Bozeman over there in 2023 to center, and then you bring in Deontay Brown finally to start at guard next year, whether it's at left or right guard. Christensen can move to either spot. He's flexible. And then you have a situation where hopefully you have your left tackle already figured out, or maybe it's Christensen. Then you, but you say you have the left tackle, you get at six. And then you got this is 2023 left tackle at six. Um, you got Christensen at left. Bozeman at center, which he played last season with the Baltimore Ravens. And then at right guard, you got Deontay Brown. And at right tackle, you have Taylor Moten. I think a lot of people probably would feel really good about that. So maybe they they could potentially target center later on in the draft. I don't know if they will, but it's a possibility, certainly. And there's going to be a center competition. There, there's still a strong possibility that maybe, hey, I talk about um, just what it, the offensive line might look like. Okay, say it's left tackle 2022 now. Say it's left tackle at six. And then you have Christensen at left guard. Um, Bozeman at center, Deontay Brown at right guard, and then at right tackle, you have Taylor Moten to where then you saw pretty good depth, well, good depth just in terms of like, hey, you got to have guys who can go out there and play and start. They might not be great. That's the reason why they're not starting with Irving and an Elfline behind, and Elfline can come in and play center or guard, which is what he came in last year and at least showed that flexibility once Paradis went down. That's another possibility that could play out. I don't know if they're going to target center at some point. It's certainly, I think, maybe something they're looking at. I don't know if it really is since they have two guys on the roster already who are pretty young that can play that position for them. And I think they still have Tecklenburg, Tecklenburg, Sam Tecklenburg County on the roster. All right, Evan. Hey, Julian. Hey, Evan. What if we take an O-lineman this year, whether that be Neil or Quan or Cross, and get a quarterback in next year's draft? I know a lot of people say we won't be high enough in the draft to get one, but we could trade up and get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Let me know what you think. I, I don't hate that at all. That might honestly be my preferred strategy. I've said this multiple times that, hey, why don't you just ride out with Sam Darnold? You, you brought him in. You talk about why you believe in him. Okay, Ben McAdoo is going to help Sam Darnold reach higher heights this year. Can't get any lower than it was last year in the last four seasons of his career, or the first four seasons of the first four seasons of his career. Let's see what he can do. And the old line's better. Hopefully McCaffrey's healthy. That would all point to him being better. Get that left tackle. Get that squared away get someone who can start for you the next eight years like Fitterer said I would be in love with that and then if things flop Donald's gone you don't have to pay him anymore next season you get rid of rule you can get a young offensive-minded head coach and then we've seen in the past what San Francisco did Buffalo did the same traded up to go get Josh Allen we've seen the, the Chiefs trade up to go get Patrick Mahomes you can trade up I know you don't want to give up assets because everyone gets so tied up in these draft picks but still if you can get that guy and you love him, go up there and get him. So we'll see how it plays out. And if 
hell, if they if they don't make the playoffs next season, they might be in position to potentially get one of those guys. I don't know where exactly they're going to be, and it all depends on what the priority for the teams ahead of them. Looking at Carolina this year, you're sitting at six. The priority for the Giants, Jets, um, I think what it's Giants, Jets, Jaguars, Lions, and um, whoever the hell else is there. It's not quarterback. So Carolina, you could see the same thing could potentially happen next year. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. Uh, let's see, Andrew, real quick, and we'll go back to another quick pause. Why would we give Elf Lion and Irving two year contracts in Bozeman one year? How does this make any sense whatsoever? Make zero sense. Am I missing something? Um, well, I don't. Well, let's see. What were the terms on Bozeman's contract? I got this written down somewhere. Bradley Bozeman, one year, two point eight. Uh yeah. Look, I hear what you're saying. I think that when they brought in. I mean, Bozeman, I think he also didn't want to tie himself to one place for one year. Maybe he was looking for a, more, a bigger deal, and he figured, all right, I'll sign here in Carolina. I'll play well, and the next year I'll make more money. It's also he's a guard, and we'll see. I mean, they already have they already have Elfline on the on the roster, and they had paid him, and you only have so much salary cap space. You can't give him. They didn't want to give him a multi, multi-year deal. And you have to also think about all the restructures that they did. While the Panthers might have the most cap space right now, next year, they're, they're, they're doing the same thing the Saints have done. They're pushing into the future, and they're going to have to deal with that cap space. They're going to be in a precarious cap situation next season, so you don't really want to add on years, even if it's dummy years, because those are things you're going to still have to figure out the cap next year. So when looking at it, I, I don't really think that you should really care all that much. The, the problem was, like, why the hell did they bring in Elfline and Irving in the first place? Bozeman, I like that signing. I don't think we should get too caught up in how long he's supposed to be here because whether it's two or three years or or one year, a lot of these times, these are one-year deals, and they can get out of them if they want to. The Panthers just didn't – they weren't going to benefit from getting rid of Cam Irving or Elfline after one season just based off of, well, the need at, off, on the offense line and also needing to have some depth and just how much money they really would have saved and then lost with dead cap had they gotten rid of both of those guys or one of them. Okay, let's take one more quick pause here on Locked On Panthers, and I'll answer the rest of your weekly Friday mailbag here questions here in just a moment. We're finally here in the month of April, and I'm sure that you've pretty much given up on all of your New Year's resolutions, but hopefully not this year because you need to do what I'm doing and stick to your resolution of eating right. And thanks to Bill Bar, it almost feels like we don't have a resolution at all because we actually enjoy eating them. If have you tried the Bill Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bill Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Matter of fact, all Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included 100% real chocolate on every single Bilt Bar. They're low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better tasting and they're better for you. Go to Bilt.com right now and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15, 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, a couple more questions before we get out of here on this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked on Panthers. Over to Matt, who wants to talk about the overtime change. Um, what were your thoughts? What, what what would your thoughts? Okay, what would your thoughts be if the format was like match play? No coin flip, the home team goes first, the opponent gets the opportunity to match, or better their result. So you want to just play this all day long, basically. So 
one of the reasons why they didn't want to do this in the regular season because the players don't want to they didn't want to play more games they didn't want to play a 17th game it's eventually going to go to 18 games the players don't want to play more games they didn't want to play longer games so it's only in the playoffs just after playing a full season and the overtime rules already being different there where you're playing a brand new game until you know one team wins or in, you're playing a brand new game like there's no time limit on it you're going to keep going until a team actually wins and they could go forever but the whole like okay one team gets a score the other team scores and if it's the same thing okay we're going to keep going back and forth all day what was that golf tournament last year it was a travelers up in um connecticut whereas i know this deep cut here harris english and then like the kramer hickok guy went to like seven playoff holes like and they almost had to in the tournament because or they had to, almost had to come back on Monday because they were running at like running out of darkness. Not a problem in the NFL, but at a point in time, like, come on, you had 60 minutes to decide it. Do we really need to give them that more of an opportunity? I, I'm not sitting here I, like whatever. They changed the overtime rules. It doesn't affect me. I don't really care all that much. It's just funny to me. It's okay. Like, hey, they played 60 minutes. You couldn't decide it. Now we're going to give everybody an opportunity and equity and all that. When that's like, come on, we're, we're in life is a really equity across the board. But here in football, we need to have it. But it's an entertainment product, and fans want to see the top quarterbacks get opportunities, and people would have loved that Bills-Chiefs game to continue. I didn't want to see it continue because I wanted Buffalo to lose. And Buffalo had plenty of chances to win, but they didn't win. Either way, the rules change, and no, I'm not really in favor of doing a uh, of doing match play like they do in golf. But it's an interesting idea. I just think it's going to it's going to take forever. Um, and, like, come on uh ken greetings and salutations great shows this week week thank you uh friday mailbag am i the only one concerned that if the panthers don't grab a quarterback in this draft that with a weak nfc and improved roster there's a serious chance the team wins seven or eight games miss the playoffs pick between 13 and 18 ruining the chances to obtain a premier talent next year forcing the team to re-sign 14 my own personal purgatory like he's this is it for sam darnold i don't have that fear that sam darnold is going to be the only option for the carolina panthers next season if the offensive line performs like we think it's going to, if DJ Moore continues to play well and Robbie Anderson can bounce back and McCaffrey stays healthy and the defense still looks good, this is going to look like a team that might be a quarterback away from competing. And as we've seen how the quarterback market has moved the last couple of years, a quarterback might be more interested next year in coming and playing here for this Carolina Panthers team, especially, hey, if they get rid of rule, might be a young coach who they like, it might be aligned with them, and it will go. We saw with how it played out with Seattle and Denver. Denver was a quarterback away. I don't think the Panthers are, can say that they're there yet. We need to see how the rest of the roster actually performs coming up here in 2022. Because the O-line looks good. doesn't mean that they're actually going to perform well. McCaffrey's been – when he's healthy, he's great. We don't know if he's going to continue to stay healthy. We'll see what the wide receivers do and whether that defense can continue to play at the level that they played at last season. I don't think we're there yet. Denver, though – was there and are also in a division where they needed to find a quarterback and Russell Wilson looked at a brand new head coach in um oh god how do I forget his name already uh Nathaniel Hackett and he's like hey I like the young guy he's a um, I don't know how young he is but I, I like the new head coach he's offensive minded I want to go to a place where like the uh, they have an offensive minded head coach which was not the case in Seattle and that's where he decided to go could be the same case in Carolina where they win seven or eight games they're able to trade for somebody and hopefully not give up what they gave up. But hey, if you can get to a position where you have your solid foundation on offense and defense in that court and you just need a quarterback, go out there and do it. Denver's been aggressive in doing that. And it's led to a Super Bowl and multiple Super Bowl appearances when it happened with Peyton Manning. And now they're doing with Russell Wilson expecting to win again. People get too caught up in draft picks when, hey, over 27 seasons building through the draft is what has that got in Carolina? Two Super Bowl appearances, which is great. Going to the playoffs multiple times, which has been great. 
and winning division three years in a row. All that was fantastic. But they haven't had back-to-back winning seasons, and they haven't won the Lombardi Trophy. So what's wrong with trying to be aggressive in that kind of way and actually getting someone who's a proven guy, commodity, like Russell Wilson, or as they went after Deshaun Watson? I understand not wanting to give up those picks, but what is building through the draft? Got Where has that gotten us, really? Sitting right here in purgatory. So it's I'm not really concerned about that, Ken, honestly. I, like 14, Sam Darnold, he's done after this year. And they can trade up, like I mentioned. Kansas City traded up. They were a playoff team multiple years with Alex Smith, but they traded up. They were ready to go get Patrick Mahomes. They traded up. Same thing happened with Buffalo. Traded up. But they were a playoff team. They traded up to go get Josh Allen. All these teams have traded up in the past. Carolina can do that. No, no problem with trying to take a shot. Now, if you it makes probably more sense to take a shot when you're sitting there at six. But if that guy's not there or you're not willing to pull the trigger, then next year you're going to have to deal with it. We'll see what happens. All right, Josh. Hey, jo- hey, Julian. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well as well, Josh. I'm not going to talk trash about Duke versus UNC game because that last time it blew up in my face. Okay. Anyways, my question is, do you think this team is good enough to drop most quarterbacks in and get eight to nine wins? What do you think we're a couple pieces away? What do you think those pieces are? Like, like I mentioned before, yes, we like what the offensive line looks like. Brady Christensen is not a known commodity as much as everyone likes his potential and how he performed last year. A lot, some of the advanced stats like pro football outside, like football outsiders and PFF did not rate him very highly at left tackle. Um, now the tape might tell you a different story. At least that's what the coaching staff, how they feel and PFF not the gospel as I've told you all multiple times, but still those numbers say that he's was just okay. And he's only going to get better. That was a rookie season. So it's not saying he can't be good at that position. We haven't seen enough out of him. We have to see how Corbett matches up with his team. Um, we got to see how, how center position performs, and we need to see more out of Robbie Anderson. And it's just not just Robbie, but not having a third receiving option last year really hurt them. Can Terrace Marshall step up? If Shai Smith's on this roster, what role does he play? Does Brandon Zilstra turn into more of a uh, third receiver threat for the Carolina Panthers? And defensively, they got to be able to stop the run. So I think yeah, if you if all the things like pan out where the offensive line's better and the receivers are better and the quarterback is better. I mean, were you, I mean, all those aspects of the team are better and you drop in a quarterback. Yeah. I think they can get to eight, nine wins. Like I told y'all last year, I thought they're going to go eight, nine last season. And that's when I didn't believe. And that's me saying, I didn't believe in Sam Darnold or the offensive line, but I still felt like, Hey, they're going to find a way to scratch it out to eight to nine wins, which was of course wrong as they finished exactly where they finished the year before with one extra loss because of that 17th game. I do think that they're in position as long as if they drop in a competent quarterback, like if they put in Kirk cousins, they're, they're going to win eight to nine games this year, in my opinion. But we've seen Kirk Cousins is good enough to do that. Is Sam Darnold good enough to do that? Hard to believe that. But these things around him, that they're better, then it's a possibility. Okay, two more here. Jonathan, hey, big fan of the podcast here. Hope you're doing well. Doing well. Thanks, Jonathan. Hope you are as well. With the Panthers currently having the most cap space in the NFL and not a lot of upper-tier free agents available, could you see the Panthers taking on some bad contracts for draft capital like the Browns did when the Texans sent them a second-round pick in Brock Osweiler? This way the Panthers could stay at six and take a blue-chip talent and still acquire some hopefully day-two picks. Like Again, like I said with the cap space, they opened up some space this year, but $9 million of it is going to go to the draft class, so that's $21 million left and 10 million of it is going to go to in season moves and trades for next season. So that's about $11 million of cap space. Do you have an $11 million cap space is not enough space to bring in a bad contract. Um, and the Panthers don't need to be just taking on a bad contract just to get draft capital. I, I don't think that's how they should do it. Now, another way um, potentially for them to maybe get into day two 
would be giving up assets in 2023 or a player. I don't think you want to give up any players. They could give up their second round pick next year so they could get in the second round this year. That's a possibility. Or second and fifth next year thing is that's something that they could try and do if they wanted to do it. Now, you don't want to give up another one of those and then be in the same situation, but then you have way more time to try and recoup that pick next year. And we think also about compensatory picks and how that might play out for the Panthers. I don't know what the formula is right now, what they're projected to get um, with Hassan Reddick leaving. But we, we will see how that all plays out. I just don't think they need to do any like NBA salary dumps like the Browns did um, by sending uh, Brock o- or the Texans did by sending Brock Osweiler to the Texans. I don't think I don't think they have enough cap space in reality um, for that to actually work out. Like thirty million, you, you looks like a lot of money, but then you take out two thirds of it and then realize, oh wait, they actually don't have as much money as we think. And with the restructures, that situation next year is going to be interesting to say the least. All right, final question here from Richard. Do you think Sam could have been way more successful last year if Joe Brady was more creative with the playbook because it seemed the defense had us figured out pretty quickly? Also, if we had a better align, our receivers would stop dropping the ball. Cam had the same issues as well when he played. Yeah, well, obviously, if the receivers like Robbie Anderson would have caught the ball more, especially early on in the season, and if the old line would have played better, I think that Sam Darnold would have potentially had a better season last year. That's all pretty straightforward, obvious stuff. And that's not like no disrespect, seriously. Um, as far as like Joe Brady and his playbook, Joe Brady the year before with Teddy Bridgewater, who all the fans were blaming and who could not go down the field and either tire when the game was afraid in the situations and had all these limitations that everyone talked about. And everyone was sick and tired of Teddy Bridgewater for being literally what he had been the entirety of his career. A guy who came off of a five and zero stretch as starting quarterback with the, the Saints the year before when Drew Brees was done. Sam Donald's never done any of that. And people were sick and tired of Teddy Bridgewater. That year where he started, the Panthers had four guys go over a thousand yards from scrimmage. And in the last year with Sam Darnold, everything regressed. The O-line was not good in 2020. The receiving core was better. The defense was not very good, but the O-line was just as bad. And the other receiving core dropped off and McCaffrey didn't play either in 2020, but yet everything fell apart. Why is that? Because the quarterback quarterback's terrible. So that's the problem. So it's hard to really believe. Yeah, I think he would have been better in those situations had McCaffrey stayed healthy. The O-line would have been better and all that. But as I've said before, we have to stop making excuses for Sam Darnold. Why does everything have to be perfect under the sun for Sam Darnold to play well? If that's the case, then he's not the guy, which we've already found out after watching him this past season and the three disgusting years of football he played with the Jets in New York. All right, that's going to wrap it up for me here on this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part again of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Check us out over on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the other podcast platforms. And watch the show and subscribe to the show on YouTube. Hopefully, we'll be up to 800 subscribers by Monday. Speaking of Monday, my day job is working at NASCAR for the Motor Racing Network. I have to go to Richmond this weekend to go cover the races there at Richmond Raceway. So make sure to check in or tune into all your local MRN stations. And I won't be getting home because we're driving to Richmond, unfortunately. God, that's going to be awful. Horrible drive to go from Charlotte to Richmond. I'm going to have to drive there, and we are going to come back right after the race. Driving. So I'm not going to be back until like 1 a.m. There's no way in hell I'm going to do a podcast at 1 a.m. I'm sorry to everyone out there who wants to hear whatever I have to, I have to say. I would have recorded something early, maybe an interview. The NFL has been way too crazy this offseason for me to even go out there and record something and then put it out there because then it could all just be old and useless and then that would have been wasted time. 
So it, Monday, maybe in the morning, I might do something, put it out there, and then record later on. But also, wearing a Carolina shirt, it's Tar Heels win. I'm headed to Chapel Hill Monday night to go watch the game. So I don't know when you're going to get podcasting it. Likely on Tuesday. You're going to get one on Tuesday. On Monday, don't expect an episode just because travel. And this is not going to be the first time it happens. i got to go to Talladega in a couple weeks as well. You won't get a podcast that and I think that would be the week leading up to the draft, unfortunately. So maybe I might actually have a I might I'll probably have something for you then. But this week, just with how free agencies played out, I don't have anything for you. So long, short. Sorry, won't have a podcast on Monday unless I do. Either way, take care and be safe. Keep pounding. Enjoy your weekend. And I will uh, probably talk to you on Tuesday or maybe Monday. Who knows? Go Heels. Goodbye.